Y'all better put him in the Heisman. Got that wood right here, baby. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light lager. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed the dream season. A baseball team that's on the way back. A college world series title. Stadium. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. In our first What's Your Beef Wednesday with the text line. That's right. Open. So That's right. I'm looking forward to seeing how we, you know, we really get this thing going. I don't know how many we got yesterday, but it was a couple dozen. I, do, I, I don't mean, know. a thousand, I don't honestly. I, I don't know. It was, it was a lot. We yeah. had a lot of text yesterday, so... That thing's going to grow and get bigger and more people involved. So if you're just hopping in, you can now text the show at the same number you call. So use that to your full advantage on a Watch Your Beef Wednesday. That's right. Honestly, just save that phone number in your phone and you're good. Yeah. That way you never have to remember it. Just save yeah. it in a, as a contact like most people do. And you have a way to text and a way to call. Yeah, automatically. Just put it in there as Tommy and Knucklehead, and you'll know. Exactly Tommy and Knucklehead. Yeah, you know what, Tommy? If that's if that's the worst name that you've said to me here <laughs> on the, the air, the worst the nickname only, you've given me on the air is the key phrase. Yes, on the air, <laughs> on the air. If that's the worst nickname you've yeah. given me, then I'll take it. I'll take you it. You save it however you want. That's right. I don't care how you save it. Exactly. In your phone. Just remember it, and however it works, because texting. <laughs> I'm telling you, folks, it's a game changer. We had a lot of text messages, and I know a lot of people listening to this show. Enjoy the text messages because they can't call in. They don't tweet. They don't do the social media thing. But everybody text. I mean, oh. from ages, I don't know, eight to however old. Everybody text. So it makes it easy for you. I got a buddy of mine who's got some of his his buddies saved in his phone with, let's just say, some less than desirable names. Are you one of them? No. Oh. But one of them is in there is bleephead we'll just bleephead well yeah, i mean that you know, bleep could be a lot of different I know, things but i can't say the <laughs> other thing and then he's got his phone set on the deal when it rings that the voice series voice or what the, the voice of the phone announces who is calling so then when that person calls it it, it can be entertaining <laughs> and i just pray that i'm at lunch with these people at the same time and somehow there's like a butt dial or something that occurs that that would be an awkwardly pleasant moment for me to watch and see unfold. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine. You got me saved in your phone as what? <laughs> I don't think this other person has any idea. Man. See that that's that's rough. I don't know if I could uh So I mean, that's the thing. You you can save us in your phone as whatever to yeah. text us and then, you know. Yeah. Hey Siri, text Tommy and Knucklehead. Tommy and Knucklehead. No, no, it's, 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 my phone's cool. It's great. That's a great one. You said, hey, Siri, my phone started acting up. <laughs> yeah, don't, hey, Siri, don't do be that. quiet. Yeah, don't do that. No, because then it's going to no, start talking up. to you again. Yeah, you can't you can't even say Siri around anybody because <laughs> it's going to end up firing off other people's phones. But that's the coolest thing is that we have this text. And in fact, we have uh, Chris texting in now. And he says, my beef today is that we couldn't text until now. Well, sorry, Chris. You know, we're we're a little slow moving here on the morning well, rush, but we want to make sure we do it right instead of just rushing to things. It's not that we're slow moving. We're just prudent. Prudent. We learned we learned from the best in Mike Slive. You know, the SEC was not always first to arrive at an SEC network like other, you know, other leagues that had channels and what, you know, we sit back and observe what others are doing so that we we can figure out where the where the potholes are at and what we can avoid going in from the get-go so we try to to act with prudence around here 
You know, Tommy, the thing is, I would believe that if we didn't have this huge video set up of, of streaming live mm-hmm. on different things, but yet we didn't have texting. <laughs> like we went to this step. You're ruining the illusion, John. I, I know, I know, but that's what I come in here for. I buzzkill that. Mm-hmm. Because when you use the word prudent, I had to look it up and make sure that it meant what you thought it meant. And yeah. you were right. You're you're good. I didn't know if that was your word of the day that you woke up to Could this be. morning on your phone. Prudent. Acting with or showing care and thought for the future. Very beautiful. Yeah. I mean. Very a very cautious approach. Yeah. You know? I always wonder if that's what you did on the show every day is have a word of the day and make sure to find some way to work it in into <laughs> no. common conversation. No, but maybe I should try that. Yeah. G- give it a shot. Give it a shot. But I don't know if that would be prudent, but <laughs> prudent would be a good word to start with. Stop. I'll prudent. see how many times I can work prudent into the show. It'd be a good drinking game today. But yes, it would. Yes, it would. A little would. early for that. Yeah. Maybe it'll you know be like uh, what was I guess what was the old show Pee Wee Herman's Playoffs? Whenever the <laughs> word was used, people would scream. So yeah, do something like that. I don't know, but I'll tell you what though. Today is going to be a great show now because it's a What's Your Beef Wednesday. But we're going to get into some other things going on in Razorback Sports, and honestly, the big news because again, right now it's really slow. Because we're going to continue on our summer segment series, which is kind of the indication how slow things are in Razorback land as far as the stories go. But yesterday, it came out with the new uniforms. Isn't today the slowest day in sports in the calendar year? The day following the All-Star game? Yeah. We've always said that in this business because look at the professional calendars. I mean, that's one reason the V Foundation auction is going to be occurring on ESPN Radio's national programming today. The ESPYs are coming up. Because ESPN's trying to create something to, I mean, what do you put in Sports Center for tomorrow, particularly? Because there's nothing happening today. No yeah. NBA, no NFL, I mean, no Major League Baseball. <laughs> I mean, it is the slowest sports day of the calendar year. Yeah. No activity. Yeah. And that's why we, the summer segment series, yeah, the summer segment, yeah. segment series is, keeps going on, and it's going to get more yeah. fun today. And with the uh, the uniforms yesterday, because I wanted to bring this up, and in case you haven't seen it, you can go to hitthatline.com and, and check out the new uniforms that were released by the University of Arkansas. Uh, it was something that I was really hoping for. I know that when it was being teased by Hunter Yurichek on the changes that they would be making, he said it had more of an old school feel. I was like, man, please, 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 let it be the Darren McFadden era of uniforms from 05 to 06 to 07, the very clean, basic look where it's, just red jerseys, red helmets, white lettering with Arkansas across it. Just very basic, and that's exactly what they did. And they had a fun with it, saying bringing that wood on the Twitter account and uh, kind of doing a throwback to Darren McFadden there. And all the fans, at least overwhelmingly, the majority of the fans really appreciated it and really loved it because it's they feel like it's going back to a traditional look instead of every single year, every two years, looking really, trying to go crazy different on it. But my question becomes with this type of thing and how fans approach it. I mean, is this something that is, with Hunter Yurichek and some of the stuff that he's done, is this just another addition to what he's trying to do to gain gain favor back in a lot of the fans' eyes? I know it's small. It's not going to change the win total. It's not going to make any team, the team play different. But it seems like there have been, in the past 18, 24 months, however long he's been the athletic director, that he has done a lot of these little small things at least small in the grand scheme of things that have been able to gain favor with a lot of the Razorback fans and especially the Razorback fans that may have been lost under Jeff Long towards the end of his tenure 
is this just Hunter Yurchek trying to gain that favor, or is this going to be a continuation where year after year after year you're going to see more and more things happening, or at least going towards the fan base that ha- that want a voice and want something? Is he going to try to make it happen for them? Because there was a lot of people that felt like under Jeff Long their voice was lost and they didn't have the same the same uh, measure of ideas and the measure of input that they wish they could have had. All right, so we're talking specifically about uniforms now or in giving Hunter Yorchek credit for the uniform reveal yesterday and the style? Because how much direct hand do you think he had in that? I don't think he had the direct hand in the actual design of it, but it certainly seems like he's ultimately going to have a say in the execution of it all and okay. this type of thing the marketing of it right okay i'll go with you on that because i don't think he had anything no, no, to no, do no. with the uniform but he i think that he at least or talking with his people or however they knew that this was a uniform that razorback fans loved and that they wanted back and they wanted oh. to see and so he made it happen it's the same thing with no one's richardson's name being on the court mm. or having some sort of Eddie Sutton deal with the practice. It just seems like there's been a few of these things, although small when it comes to the grand scheme of the program, but it means a lot to a lot of Razorback fans. The, the reality is the athletic department is doing really well except two areas. Football and basketball. Men's yes. basketball. Well, other than that, you think about it. Baseball's doing great. You think about track and field, national championship mm-hmm. there with the women this year. Uh, women's golf basketball's a, on the rise. Women's golf had a national champion yeah. this year. I mean, you just go through... The list and all the sports except, I mean, soccer making more postseason appearances. You just keep, I mean, we can just keep going and the successes are there. You can give Hunter your check some credit. I think you still got to give Jeff Long and some of the foundation yep. built that has put some of those things in place some of the credit. I think there's some credit to go around. But the problem with that is what? Like, 97% of the money that comes in from the athletic department is funded by what? Football. Football and basketball. And, and basketball. And those are the two areas that they're struggling to sell tickets. They're struggling to win at the level that everybody's uh, expecting or sh- certainly hoping for. So, you know, really a lot of things have went well in the last couple of years and certainly under Hunter Juracek's tenure except the things that really matter most, and that's football and, and basketball. So I think there's a lot of good things happening. The problem is in football, the one that counts really the most, the struggle is real to sell tickets. I mean, mm-hmm. anyone that's in this, the U of A system to get an email sees these emails coming out where they are doing buy one, get one freeze if, with, with basketball season ticket holders. They are doing mini plans. They are doing all sorts of marketing efforts to get you to buy just a single game ticket, much less season tickets at this point. So I think there is a great consideration of things you can do right now. When business is bad in any business, when the bottom line is struggling, you have to think about a better approach with your customers. I mean, right now, that's this is a bottom line deal, and there's they're struggling a little bit to keep revenue up to the level that they want to keep spending at. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reality. They're not trying to make a profit up there. They're just trying to keep spending where they want it. So they can keep these nice salaries. They can keep these coaches' contracts where they need them. They can keep all these administrative jobs. They can pay for the north end zone. I mean, the list goes on and on. And you need you need to, to raise revenue to do that. How do you do that? you got to sell more football tickets. But you think that if the program was doing well right now, 
and they were making the money and selling tickets, like, what, would this even be a thing? Well, let me ask you this. In 2010 and 2011 under Jeff Long, when the, the winning was big in football and the money was rolling in, do you think every decision was made with the fan in mind to put the fan first? No. Where did a lot of this disengagement begin? Where this fan dissatisfaction began in recent times? Began following those seasons where the university got, you know, I don't know if greedy is the right word. They didn't use prudence. And, <laughs> Jeez. And, and it, it turned a lot of people off. Yeah. And then what you couldn't do is quit winning. Because if you keep winning, people are going to be bought in. Yeah. And then when the winning stopped and people said, well, I remember how you were treating me then. You know, you treated you treated me like you were doing me a favor letting me buy tickets instead of the other way around. Remember, it was my American Express I was giving you, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And people remember these things. The prices have escalated. It's hard to take prices backwards. Uh, you know, the, the donation level has gotten to a point for some people, they've priced them out. Mm-hmm. And people feel disenfranchised. And they're going to have to do some things to make people feel like they're back under the tent. They're part of it. And... Football's the you know winning football games is the key to this whole thing right now because I think there is a business issue they've got up there a revenue issue and it all centers around football right now yeah. and they're having to do things to and I don't know that uniforms wins anybody over but they're going to have to continue to do things yeah. to make the feel make the fans feel more appreciated. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light lager. Now he does a tight roll back. Boy, Houdini's in the house. We're number three, and nobody's home to watch that house. Touchdown, Hogs! Holy Hog! We're going to continue on with our summer segment series here on the Morning Rush. We've been having some fun with it, so without further ado, let's jump right into it. All right, here we go, finally. All right. It's our favorite time of the year. Nonsense. I've not yet begun to defile myself. The Morning Rush summer segment of the day. All right, go ahead and hit that randomizer for sports, food, or entertainment. And we are going to have it with sports. Okay, right. sticking with the sports early here on sports. this morning. Yeah, right. nothing wrong with that on a sports show. All right. <laughs> Some people remind us of that. Oh, geez. What are you talking about food down there? It's a sports show. This one's, this one's pretty... This one can go a lot of different directions. What's the, what is the biggest what-if in Razorback sports? Oh, the biggest what-if question in Razorback sports. What if Arkansas had won the 1995 National Championship game against UCLA? What if Nolan Richardson had two national championships under his belt? How would his exit have played out? Hmm. Would the basketball program have went into shambles for a decade or however long you want? You know, some people think it still hasn't returned. It hasn't returned to the greatness it once had, and we know the record of not being in a Final Four or a Sweet Sixteen since '96. Would that still be the case? Would that still be the narrative if he had won those two? He'd have been untouchable at that point. Mm. I think that's one of the biggest what-ifs because his departure, I think, has affected that program more than any other coach's departure in any other program. Yeah. I mean, McDonald leaves track, and they just keep winning. 
Not to the high level, but still. Norm DeBryan left baseball after from 1970 to 32 years, I guess Mm -hmm. it was. And the program continued on an upward trend. Nutt left after 10 years. Petrino came along and showed you could win. Henry Nolan Robertson's. left, and it's it's never really been any anywhere close. So I mean that you know. So in your opinion, you saying what if Nolan Richardson wins the '95 championship? Does what what yeah. if what if that happened? What do if that think, had happened? Do you think everything changes? I think I think he exits in a more graceful way, and Mike Anderson probably becomes immediately your next head coach. Mm. We never know about Stan Heath or John Pelfrey. That's a good one. That was actually one of the ones that I uh, had on this list here. Um, but I'm going to stick with basketball with you, though. And I'm going to take it just to the a few years later. What if Arkansas hires Bill Self instead of Stan Heath? After the Nolan thing went south. Mm-hmm. What if they had hired, because that, that was the thing that gets talked about all the time today, about of if what if Bill Self was hired... He never went to Kansas, and the fact that he's won a national championship at Kansas and has had a lot of success there, could he not have continued it on in Arkansas? Let's be honest. Kansas is Kansas. Now, Arkansas was getting to that level. Yeah. But Arkansas was not, quote-unquote, one of the blue bloods yet. Now, maybe... But don't you think that if Bill Self was the coach right after 2 when the Arkansas brand was still as high as anything? Perhaps. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a good what if. Yeah. Let me give you another one from football. What if Houston Nutt, Gus Malzahn, and Reggie Herring could yeah. have gotten along? Yeah. What if? How would that season have perhaps played out? Because it's amazing what got accomplished in the 06 football season with all the turmoil and all the interfighting and everything going on that we've heard about behind the scenes after the fact that we could see really in front of us at that point. What if everybody was rowing the boat, pulling the rope, whatever analogy you want to use, in the same direction Mm. in 06? Because you know that had to affect the way that team performed at the end of the year. It had its wear and tear. Obviously, they lost to USC early, then reeled off, what, 10 straight before losing three straight. And we know that they were as close as any football team has been yeah. to winning a national championship in any of our lifetimes. I mean, you could you could look at the one '98 of those, team, yeah, but the, you know, it's BCS era. I mean, d- different different times, different times. And I know '06 was still BCS era, but even with the loss to LSU, if you'd beaten Florida, you could you could make a good case you'd have had a, a a shot at it. Yeah. But, you know, certainly if you had beaten LSU and you, you were a, a breath away from that, if Holiday had scored that, that kick return, mm-hmm. I mean, I just wonder what if, because I think that it had to have had its effect on this team. Yeah. Because in the, in the way they played in those final three games. Because what I, going off of what you're saying, I feel like if they all would have just gotten along and all would have worked out, it would have been one of those things that when Houston Nutt left coaching or. If they decided to, I know because there was a thing going around that he would become the athletic director after Frank Bowles left, something like that happened, then you transition and have Gus Malzahn become the next head coach at Arkansas. Smooth transition. He would have been the next guy, would have mm-hmm. had plenty of the experience to be built up into that. 
And there you have it. I mean, I think that that's something that would have changed everything if they just would have gotten a little. Yeah. Um, but, you know, another one in football, too, and this may be more of not necessarily a specific time frame, but, you know, going back to what if a coaching hire? What if Arkansas hires Jimmy Johnson? You know, what if they would have okay, hired which him? Time when, when, they br- when they hired Holtz or when they hired Hatfield? <laughs> Either one. Either one? Either one. What I know that he, was, he really had some hurt feelings. He oh, was yes. really angry when they hired Hatfield in place of Jimmy Johnson. And that's been documented, talked about. Would it, would it, you know, Ken Hatfield had a lot of success at Arkansas. It didn't end in the way you'd like, but after a guy that won back-to-back 10-win seasons, Southwest Conference titles, went to the Cotton Bowl and leaves to go to Clemson mm-hmm. the way he did. But yeah, would, would, you know, and we know that Jimmy Johnson made a statement of that Arkansas-Miami game. Yeah. Pointed his finger up to yeah. Frank Brawls up there in the coaches or press box. Yeah. How do you like me now? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good one, too. Yeah. I mean, there's so many that you, you can choose go, from. You can go way back because I oh, read yeah. the story I knew, I knew about Bear Bryant that. on yeah. his way here. I don't remember all the details, but then D-Day, uh, no, not D-Day, uh, uh, Pearl, Harbor. Pearl Harbor happened. And then, you know, what if Bear Bryant had been your coach way back when? How many championships would you have would have won? Who knows? I mean, would you have, or would Bear Bryant have even been Bear Bryant? I don't know. Yeah, you know. Well, see, and that's the thing about it because when it comes to the coaching side of it, especially and especially in football, there have been so many Hall of Fame caliber, big time, great coaches from the state of Arkansas that did not coach in Arkansas. Yeah, and that I think that's what frustrates so many people. At least as head coaches, you know. Yeah, Barry exactly. Barry Switzer was here as an assistant, right? And that's what Johnny I'm saying. Majors, like I mean, Bear Bryant, of course, being one of them. But even even guys like you know a Tommy Tuberville. Who had a lot of success? Yeah, some of them didn't even, you know. You, you've got some that weren't even on Arkansas staff at any time, but that, that yeah. have Arkansas roots. Yeah. You know? So I mean, there's just so many great coaches that have come from the state of Arkansas. It makes you wonder, man. Is if they would have hired one of those guys, yeah. how different it would have been? Yeah. So hey, you can text your what ifs in to uh, to our phone number here. Yeah. Got any good what ifs coming at us? Uh yeah. We we have some. Some of them are kind of <laughs> some of them are kind of funny, but like. Kristen from Bell Vista says, what if Ryan Mallett ha- then doesn't throw that pick against Ohio State? Because you said, well, I mean, Tommy. What if the scoop and score had happened? Right, because you said, if Bobby Petrino wins that Sugar Bowl. That's a, that's another good one brought up. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I mean, I believe if Bobby Petrino had won that game against Ohio State, Arkansas's first BCS Bowl in the BCS era, as I've said before, he could have had a a whole sorority on the back of a motorcycle, and it wouldn't have mattered at that mm-hmm. point. They'd have found yep. a way to cover it up, excuse it, suspend him, not fire him, some, something else besides the fans would have demanded it. Yeah. Because that would have been, what, two 11-year wins? In 22 and 4 in two seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think you're getting rid of that guy. Uh-uh, especially with that Sugar Bowl victory. I, I, you know, I, And Jeff Long's... Power may have been too much. I, I don't know. I, I, that would be interesting to see how that would have played out. Yeah. Uh, Dustin in Rogers says, what if Reggie Fish actually caught the ball against Florida? First off, Ty's the one that responded saying Arkansas still would have lost. I don't think they still would have lost. They would have sure. lost. I mean, I think that the momentum was shifted. But either way, I would have been at least curious to see how it would have played out if he had caught that ball and if Arkansas would have scored 28 straight points instead of 21 straight points how would it would played out there too. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly how that game would have played out the rest of the way, but 
Uh, it's definitely interesting uh, how how it's that Arkansas. goes. Arkansas, they would have lost. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. Yeah, I mean, what do you want me to point to? I understand. Yeah, yeah. but I'm I'm just saying though that in those particular plays and that particular play, I don't know. I mean, what would have that have actually changed? Because I don't think Arkansas plays for the national championship if they win that game with two losses. They're not going to put them in the championship game with two losses. So it would have been a SEC championship playing in the Sugar Bowl instead of playing Wisconsin in the uh, Capital One Bowl at the time, I believe mm-hmm. is what it was called. So, you know, that would have changed out too. But, you know, there's a lot of fascinating things. And I know that uh, a lot of them, a lot of people are at least that are texting and tweeting are about coaches, you know, because I even Brent t- t- tweeted in and said, what if Frank had hired Jimmy Johnson? Just like I was saying, yeah, I mean, that... Those the coach because to me the coaching ones are the ones that changes everything. Well, particularly when you missed on a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I a mean, Hall of Famer that wanted your now, job. The first time you went with Lou Holtz, it, not not a bad decision. No, there. no, 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 and not Ken at all. Ken Hatfield was a former Razorback, just like Jimmy Johnson, both on that '64 team, both great coaches. But there's no denying which one had the better mm-hmm. career. I mean, and, we don't even need to compare and, resumes. And Ken Hatfield was a very successful coach at Arkansas. Yeah. But what could Jimmy Johnson have done? Yeah. And also, let's be honest, and, too, And Tommy. here's the thing. Ken Hatfield led to Jack Crow, which led to a lot of other things. Right. And, and let's also be honest, too, Tommy. How long would Jimmy Johnson and Frank Brawls been able to go working together? Well, Jimmy Johnson and Jerry, Jerry Jones didn't last long. Either, no. So, even with a lot of success. And there have been a lot of similarities there. So, hey, but you would take a champion if it meant a couple championships? You would take that all day long if it meant that it ended... Uh, with sour grapes. And I don't know. That, that was, you know, that was back in the era where you were still back in the '80s. You were still on poll results. You know, voters. Yeah, that's true. There was no. I mean, unless you got lucky and somehow a bowl game lined up, you weren't playing one versus two for yeah. the national title. Yeah. More often than not, Jimmy Johnson could have turned Arkansas into the U of the '80s. Wouldn't you love to have been that? <laughs> Frank would not have been for that. No, I don't think a lot of people would have been for that. So maybe things work out for a really good reason. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light lager. Give is to Alex Collins, straight up the middle, and Collins on the run. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. Another one that's being mentioned by a lot of different people for Razorbacks is what Clint Sterner doesn't fumble the ball against Tennessee. You know, how does that... I know that certainly changes that season, but... I think it certainly changes... I think you could certainly make the quick argument Tennessee doesn't win the national championship. No. Now, you got to go a few steps further whether or not Arkansas would have won it. But, yeah, I mean, that that, would have changed everything uh, for Tennessee, for sure. Now... Next step would have been, would Arkansas have lost the next week? What was it, to Mississippi State? Yes. Todd Lauderette's missed miss kick? No, he wasn't even there. He wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> Todd Lauderette did. We had the missed kick because Todd Lauderette wasn't there because Correct. he had a, yeah. an off-the-field issue. Yeah, we'll um, say that. Yeah. <laughs> so would all of that had happened that way because you lost the next week narrowly? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you do know, though, that Arkansas would have for sure played for the SEC championship game. Because mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you were left at home. Because you were left at home because Mississippi State went on. Because you tied, but they owned the tiebreaker with them. So you at least, uh, at minimum, would have been in the Sugar Bowl. They played Bowl. Tennessee. Right. You And if you won, won the SEC title, you would have been in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, but I was looking at the final AP polls for that for that season, just to kind of say if what would have happened if Arkansas had done all that, where would they kind of have landed? Well, there was... 
No undefeated team besides Tennessee at the end of the season. Well, Tennessee and Tulane, but let's just be honest. Tulane was not right. going to play for the national championship. So only Tennessee. Right. Ohio State was 11-1. and Arizona was 12-1. and It's crazy to think about back then that uh, something like that happened. Wisconsin was 11-1, and just like they seem to be every single year. So there were a few other teams that would have been in the mix, but it would have been fascinating to see, because back then, that was the first year of the BCS Bowl game, a BCS championship game. So it would have been curious to see where they would have placed Arkansas, say if they had lost or beaten Tennessee, beaten Mississippi State, went undefeated, went to the SEC title game. I mean, it had to beat Tennessee again. Again, so you know, but it, but Do you think Arkansas would have no, beaten no. Tennessee twice? No, no, no. I mean, that just doesn't happen in college football <laughs> where you beat a team twice. Right, it just doesn't happen. So I don't know. That's fascinating too. And what does that mean for Houston Nutt? You know, how long does he stay around? Does he try to go for another job? I mean, there's just a there's a lot of different things that you uh, you could have gone along with there. But uh, either way, we'll continue to have that conversation. Can you continue to talk about it here uh, after a while? But I want to continue on with our morning rush <laughs> summer segments here. Oh, you have a tweet? Well, I just got another another good one. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Play Henryson and one one an historical what if, and this is great. 1969. What if Frank had kicked a field goal? Ooh. Up fourteen to nothing from the goal line instead of uh, called a pa- uh, called a pass that resulted in Bill Montgomery throwing an interception. We've talked about that. Boy, that's one. a great one, Clay. We've talked about what the what ifs when we've talked about these forks in the road for Arkansas historically and as a program. And if Arkansas had won in '69 and had a second national championship, had won the the, the shootout, you know, where would the program be even today? Because that game still, I don't know if haunt is the right word, but it still seems to hover over this state and this pro. It's like we've never recovered in some ways. It was a, it, it damaged the psyche. So, I mean. You felt like that would have opened up the floodgates for your success as a football program. Is how correct. You feel. you feel like that one moment is where it kept you from getting to that next What's well, It's similar to me to the 95 National Championship game in basketball. Okay, so if you won in 64 and you won in 69, I mean, Broyles was already untouchable at that point. Uh, he was already, you know, headed to the AD's chair. All of these things that unfolded in the, in, in the seasons following that. But, you know, where would the path have gone? Would Arkansas have become one of the perennial powers, and how long would that have lasted? I, you know, it'd been, it, that is a huge... In a, in a great what if from from the '69 season because I I still think that is a major fork in the road yeah for our state because I, I think it changes the mindset and the psyche and the confidence and just keep going down the list with the adjectives and the descriptors of our state not just our athletic program who we are as a people as our Kansans is defined by what happened on that December day in 1969. Had to be Texas, didn't it? Just had to be against Texas as well. And then the way it happened. Yeah. I mean, that's a great one, too. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into our next Morning Rush Summer Segment Series. All right, here we go, finally. All right. It's our favorite time of the year. Nonsense. I've not yet begun to defile myself. The Morning Rush Summer Segment of the Day. All right, do a little randomizer here. we got entertainment and food left, and we are going to go with entertainment okay gonna go with the entertainment thing and it's kind of sports related too so it can be a double double whammy here the greatest movie coach but it has to be non-fiction so it can't be 
Herb Brooks from Miracle because <laughs> he was a real coach and it really happened. Yeah. Has to be a non-fiction coach in any sport from any movie. Who's the best one? I mean, this one, this one you're going to have to think on because a lot of these coaches are always based off true stories. So that makes it tough. So like the part Denzel Washington played in Remember the Titans wouldn't count. Yeah. <laughs> well, then I've got to go with the greatest baseball manager of all time. And that is? Lou Brown. There you go. Lou Brown in Major League. Actually, took, that was actually my first one, took, too. Took the Cleveland Indians to the title. Man, yeah, with a bunch the of... The Indians win the pennant. With oh, bun- my God, the Indians win, you know. With a bunch of guys that had no business being on yeah. a Major League roster. Right. I mean, what, what greater coach could there be? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. I, that's a good. That's a good one. Yeah, that's. I, I like that one. I like that one. Uh, you said nonfiction. Wouldn't it be fiction or fiction? Yeah, non. You said nonfiction. That's what threw me for a loop. Yeah, my bad. My bad. Right, my bad. So fiction. A fiction. 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 Character. Fiction, yes. That's what threw me for the loop here. I'm like, wait a minute. Lou Brown is yes. fiction. <laughs> yeah. My bad. The great character, but Denzel Washington fiction. was a coach Boone in that movie. Can't remember the character, the the coach's actual first name. Maybe I think it's Herman. Herman, Herman Boone. Boone. Okay, yeah, thank Herman you. Boone. That's a great movie. I watched some of that over the weekend. There's some great movies in that era from like oh yeah, 95 to 2000. Yeah. Be some good halftime homework for you and Phil. But that, that's a great movie. Love that story. I mean, it's that's a good one. Yeah. So that that was my number 1. My number I'm going to have to go but with that my, would be nonfiction. So let's get fiction and nonfiction. <laughs> let's get fiction and nonfiction my apologies. Out here. My apologies. <laughs> Fictional coach. Since you took my number one, I'm going to go with my number two. Jimmy McGinty from The Replacements. Okay. Gene Hackman. Because I know that Gene Hackman's played two legendary coaches. Not only as Jimmy McGinty, but also, um, of course, his name just escaped me from Hoosiers. uh, But his coach's name that he played in Hoosiers. Gene Hackman? Gene Hackman's Um, character. I can't believe it. Norman Dale. There you go. Yeah. Norman Dale. He's been a great coach. Was that fiction or was that? No, that's why I'm going with the replacements. Because in that one, it was fiction. And he was able to take a bunch of replacement players, guys that were has-beens and never was's, as it was mentioned in that movie, Mm -hmm. and take them to the playoffs. Win three out of four for the Washington Sentinels with Footsteps Falco as his quarterback. (laughs) I mean, he, he was able to go and pick a roster together and go up against the Dallas team where everyone had pat- crossed over the picket line. I mean, that's a great coaching job. And he was an inspirational. He had the old school hat on. It was it was great. It was absolutely great. So Jimmy McGinty from The Replacements. Did have to go with. Do you have an addition in here, Ty? I like Gordon Bombay and Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Gordon Bombay. Why? Okay, you got to give reasons why you think he would be the, he's the best coach. Well, he, t- he took a team of ragtags and... They won it all. They won their little league city division title or whatever it was. And then he took a team and won the Olympics the following year, including some of those players. So yeah, Gordon, Gordon Bombay. Gordon Bombay. Well, there you have it. Emilio yeah. Estevez. Man, see, that's that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, because there's not many coaches. What about to, Walter Matthau on the Bad News Bears? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't win the title. He didn't win at all, though, Tom. No. I mean, can we, the we, life lessons he taught. <laughs> like what? Smoking and drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way that uh, what what was his? See now I'm just losing. What was his name in that mo- in that movie? In what movie again? In Bad News Bears. 
Buttermaker. Uh, Buttermaker. Yeah, Phil. Yeah. 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 Buttermaker. Yes. Yeah, that's another great one too. Yeah. That's the thing is, there's just so many. There's so many difficult coaches to choose from when it comes to fiction, uh, and trying to figure it out as well. How about John L. Smith from the 2012 year? That had to be fictional, right? See, why do you have to do that? Why do you have to do that? Why do you have to bring that? You one? said they couldn't be real coaches. <laughs> Zing. I mean, well, you know, Tommy. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't even. Well, yeah, I can't disagree there. I was. I was trying to find a way. I was trying to find something to say. You know what? This is why he was a real coach. I got nothing. I. I, I have nothing. I have one play. No answers. I have no answers. Have no answers. So yeah, we got. We have that in there somewhere. But that's. Uh, that was a good one too for old, for old John L. But uh, man, I don't know. I mean, if we're missing one, you go ahead and uh, make sure you let us know. Uh, we got some people Goldie saying Han like Goldie Hawn and Wild from the Wildcats. Yeah. Uh, Patrick on Twitter says Rodney Dangerfield and Ladybugs. <laughs> I guess I guess we'll have to we'll have to figure that one out. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light lager. Right now, let's go to the phone lines and welcome in Andrew Hutchinson, who covers the Razorbacks for Hogbeat.com. Good morning, Andrew. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going good. How about you? Uh, we're doing really well, and there's actually we've had a conversation here this morning that kind of uh, just took off on us, and we'll get to that in here in just a second. But I wanted to first ask you about the reveal yesterday from the Razorback uniforms, because I know that you guys run a website, you guys run have message boards, you have a lot of people that you interact with, a lot of fans. I, fe- I felt like the Razorback faithful were very receptive to this new jersey. I know that it's about alternate or whatever, but... It, it's amazing to me that just these small things like doing this or naming the court after Nolan and, and some of the stuff that Hunter Yerchek and the administration and the board trustees have done, it, it just cracks me up how the small things can sometimes really make Razorback fans get a lot more excited and a, a lot more happier with their current situation, even though the team hasn't been very good the past couple of years. Yeah, it's pretty funny, isn't it? I mean, they they have done a few little things, kind of PR-type moves. Uh, you know, this uniform was the latest, I think, that, I would say probably 90, 95% of the responses that we've seen, you know, both on social media and on our message board have been positive. Uh, the biggest complaint is that they're quote unquote alternate. Uh, of course, no one really knows what that means, if they're going to, you know, wear them, you know, for all the home games or, or what. Uh, but I think most people are, are very in favor of them. I mean, it, it brings back memories of, of, of a great time of Arkansas football. Uh, arguably the greatest player in school history with Darren McFadden. So I, I think they're pretty sweet. Uh, I, I know you do as well. I've seen all the the reactions on Twitter. I, I think they're pretty awesome, and uh, I thought it was a, a great move for Arkansas. Need, needing some positivity, you know, coming off of a season like last year and, and going into a season like this that, you know, you're probably going to be struggling to make a bowl game. You need something positive. Uh, to hang your hat on and and uniforms that that's an easy thing to do and I I thought they did a great job with these you know bringing back the the look from the the Darren McFadden there I think I think they're awesome just to 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 follow up with what John's asking there and put it in context we put a Facebook post up that Ty posted with the pictures of it at one o'clock yesterday since then it's had two hundred and fifty seven shares six hundred likes one hundred and seventeen comments and it's this post has reached forty thousand people so and I think you're you're Probably your metrics are similar to that. I mean, I'm just amazed. Just a picture of a uniform. I mean, that's all we put up. Wasn't an article, wasn't anything. Just, just a picture of a uniform. 
how engaged people are with this. It just that's what blows me away. Is when I look at the metrics and the data on our end of it, this is this this gets more response than a lot of other things we'll put hours of work into. Oh yeah, it's it's unreal. I mean, it's yeah. our most viewed message board post right now. Uh, it's got a lot of you know replies on there. I'm looking at it right now. I think it's the most that's on our front page. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Uh, who who would have thunk it that a, at a uniform like that would just take off like that? But it just kind of shows you it's it's just one of those great PR moves from Arkansas. Yeah. And to have the have the the model or the the representative in the old number five there that mm. that wasn't by accident either, was it? No, no, that was <laughs> definitely on purpose. Uh, bring him back. I mean, if you're going to bring back the Darren McFadden era uniforms, well, you might as well go ahead, go all in number five. I've been told that Chad Morris was doing his radio show at the Catfish Hole and saw a picture of McFadden in that jersey and just fell in love with that look. And that was really, I guess, where his motivation or inspiration came from was seeing a picture of McFadden on a poster hanging on the wall there, and he said that that's what we want right there. And that that's kind of where this all got started. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great uh, it's a great uniform just from the looks of it, but also I think more than anything it, it brings back those memories of Jared McFadden and the memories of that 2006 season when you won uh, ten games in a row, uh, and it's the you know back to back Heisman runner up, uh, arguably a Heisman Trophy snub that should have won it. That's another discussion for another day. So. I think just the, the look on top of the memories that go with it, uh, I think are uh, you know what make it so great. I mean, just like the 1964 throwbacks a couple of years ago, uh, a lot of people love those, and, and one of the main reasons was because you know, when Arkansas wore those, they were on top of the college football world. So I think that just the knowing the history behind it, and I'm sure Chad Morris, being a, a football guy, probably remembered watching uh, Darren McFadden you know play at Arkansas whenever he was still a high school coach at Ar- uh, in Texas. So uh, I think just the, the memories of it as well as the look just kind of make it a, a perfect storm for it to be a great you know alternate uniform for Arkansas this year. Speaking with Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com right now on the morning rush. All right, Andrew, let's shift it over next week, SEC Media Days. I know that's great when it comes to the content, not only for Arkansas, but for the rest of the SEC. We don't know exactly who Chad Morris is going to be bringing to SEC Media Days. I believe that's going to be announced today. But uh, just kind of going off of what Chad Morris needs to address, what kind of is going to be the storyline for him and the players that he's going to be bringing. Is there anything that you feel like he should say or that he needs to say or that Razorback fans want to hear him say? Just kind of what's your overall uh, feeling of what he's going to be about once he heads into media days? Yeah, I actually have a story that's going to be dropping uh, probably within the next hour or so on the the five questions that I'm looking forward to asking Chad Morris. And number one, uh, it seems like every offseason, the number one topic is quarterback. Uh, whether or not you have an actual starter or not, it's still going to be the number one thing. And so uh, I- I'm just anxious to hear how Nick Starkle is adjusting and fitting in so far this summer. Uh, you know, Ben Hicks was a guy that, that came in early, and immediately the coaches started praising him for his leadership. Even before spring practice started, it seemed like Chad Morris was just talking about how great of an addition he was. And I'm just wondering if Nick Starkle has had a, a similar uh, experience, you know, coming in and, and fitting in really well with the quarterback room and uh, getting all the, the extra work in with the receivers, things like that. I, I'm anxious to hear how that goes because I do think it's going to be a true quarterback battle this fall. Uh, I'm still thinking that Ben Hicks will probably come out as the starter at the beginning of the year. Uh, then eventually Nick Starkle will take over. But 
you know, how long that takes, you know, the, the timeline, all that kind of depends on, on how Nick Starkle is adjusting so far. So this could be our first chance to talk to Chad Morris since uh, Starkle has arrived on campus. So that's kind of how I'm, what I'm looking forward to asking the most is just how he's fitting in and how he's adjusting to Fayetteville so far. Arkansas's had what seems like an inordinate amount or a high amount of foot injuries over the last three or four years. I think we'd all agree with that. Certainly been publicized a lot and talk about going to a natural turf field in Reynolds Razorback Stadium this year. Do you think we'll see any change in that? Are the two correlated? That's going to be one of the things that is different this year is the the move away from field turf. I I just wonder, is there going to be any drop in the foot injuries? Are, Are the two related at all in your opinion? You know, I'm probably not smart enough or qualified enough to answer that, but I do have, you know, they practice on both. They have a grass practice field and a turf practice field. So I'm really not sure if that's the biggest thing because they're still getting practice on them. You know, if they're, you know, hitting the road for a road game and the the road team has a grass field, they're probably going to be practicing on that quite a bit. Uh, They're practicing on both. Uh, You know, I've always thought that more than anything, it had something to do with their workout regimen. Uh, with the, the previous staff was really big on, on, on bulking up and, and things like that in the weight room. And I just felt like that maybe was a contributing factor. But also, I think some of it's just bad luck. Uh, I know Arkansas fans probably don't like to hear that. They all have their, you know, theories and things. So uh, I'm not really sure. I, I wish I was had more of a medical background that could that could answer that question because it would definitely be one of the most read stories of the summer if I could figure it out. Uh, but I, I really don't know if changing to grass is, is going to make that big of a difference just because, you know, they practiced on both, both surfaces uh, throughout the season. So I, I'm not really sure, uh, but I guess, I guess we'll see. And if there is a decrease in foot injuries, I'm sure everyone will be pointing to the grass field and Chad Morris will be praised as a genius. Uh, but, you know, who knows? That only time will tell on that. All right, Andrew, I want to ask you the question that we've been talking about on the show this morning and had a lot of responses from a lot of our listeners, and I know that you're somebody uh, who would have a, a pretty good answer to this. When it comes to Arkansas sports, Razorback sports, what is the biggest what-if question <laughs> in Razorback sports history? Oh, man, we could do this all day. Um, <laughs> you know, the one that comes to mind, just because I am a big baseball guy, is, is what if they caught that foul pop-up a couple of years ago because – Unlike all the other situations where, you know, oh, if this play is made, Arkansas likely wins. Like if Reggie Fish doesn't fumble uh, the, the, the punt, you know, Arkansas probably wins that. Well, there's no probably about it in baseball. Arkansas wins the national championship if they catch that pop-up. So what if they catch that pop-up? Uh, you know, if you want to go old school, you know, what if, Frank Royals didn't call the pass play and they just run it and they kick the field goal in the 69 shootout, you'll likely beat Texas and, and likely win a national championship. Uh, that one's kind of like the, the original bad luck, you know, Arkansas misfortune type play. Uh, those come to mind. Uh, what if Arkansas scooped and scored uh, in, the, in the Sugar Bowl? That one sticks out to me because uh, I was there in, in the stands as a fan. Uh, left that stadium just absolutely devastated. Uh, th- those are the ones that kind of come to mind, you know, immediately. Yeah. Uh, what if Clint Sterner didn't fumble? Uh, man, th- you could go on and on about these what ifs. Let me, um, let me throw one at you. What if Nolan had won back-to-back titles by winning against UCLA in 95? 
yeah, you'd think he would have a little bit more leeway, and, and who knows how long he could have gone. Um, you know, here's here's one that probably some people may not talk about, and it's probably very controversial. You know, I, I'm a Springdale native. Uh, I went, I was in middle school whenever Gus Malzahn and Mitch Mustaine and those guys were winning a state championship. You know, what what if Gus Malzahn had stuck around, and what if Mitch Mustaine had been able to to stay and lived up to the hype? And what if you know, I I, I vividly remember watching that Alabama game that Arkansas won in double overtime, the game won a touchdown pass to Ben Cleveland from Mitch Mustaine. At that point, sixth grade, seventh grade Andrew was thinking that Arkansas was going to win a national championship uh, just because it was all the Springdale guys. So, so what if that all that mm. drama hadn't happened and mm. it was able to play out and Arkansas had that success? I mean, mm. there's so many what ifs in the, in the, in the history of Arkansas that, I mean, you could make a whole show about that. Yeah, we we asked earlier, what if Houston nut uh, Gus Malzahn yeah. and Reggie Herring had just all got along? You know, exactly. They could have coexisted. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many like you mentioned, Andrew, and unfortunately, it brings up some bad memories from Razorback fans. But it's definitely a fascinating conversation, and always appreciate you joining us, Andrew Hutchinson of Hogbeat.com. Have a good one, man. Have a great weekend, and I guess we'll see you down at SEC Media Days in Hoover, man. Yeah, yeah, look forward to it. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.